the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a lot of you like me when you kind of bathe in these words. When you let them rush over you, you recognize there's some needs in your life. You need some of those freedoms. You really do believe the Lord is your shepherd, and yet you've not been living free from fear or or free from conflict. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Psalms 23. Find something to write with. Find something to write on. I believe God wants to give you some truths that will transform as we dig into this passage. We're going to be here for several weeks. So let's ask God to speak to us in a fresh way. Here's the facts. Psalms 23 is one of the most familiar passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. In fact, many who have no true awareness of what it means to have a personal relationship with God still have a personal awareness of this passage of Scripture. Augustine, the great church father, called this the martyr's hymn. And the reason is because so many of those heroes of the faith would recite Psalm 23 as they gave their life because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's where you've heard the Psalms, at a funeral or at a graveside ceremony. It's a psalm of comfort. It's why President George W. Bush quoted from Psalm 23 as he addressed the nation after the horrific terrorist attacks on 9-11. This Psalms has been bringing hope to God-fearing people for 3,000 years. Just think about that for a second. For 3,000 years, people like you and me have looked to these words for comfort, for encouragement, for hope. Many people think of Psalms 23 as a pithy statement about just that about comfort in times of grief. Boy, it is so comforting. But it's so much more. See, the truths of Psalm 23 may fit on a Hallmark sympathy card, but they were really formed for our hearts, for your heart, for my heart, for the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. They're truths that challenge and change our lives. So I want you to listen to these words. Ask God to speak them afresh and anew to you today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, these words shout questions to any listening ear. Questions like this. Does what you believe about God really have any impact on your life? I now recognize that I'm one of the older pastors. It's a weird feeling. But I can look back on almost 30 years of ministry. And I've been around church all my life. And I suppose as I look on social media, as I help people navigate life's journeys, that's one of the biggest questions I have. Does, do these truths we profess to believe, do they mean anything to us? Do we really believe them? Do we think they make a difference in our daily life, at work, at school, wherever we are? Will what you believe about God impact how you live your life? Will your theology shape your circumstance? Or will you allow your circumstances to shape your theology? Will what you feel tell you what to believe? Or will what you believe overshadow and empower those feelings that you have even in the darkest moments of life? That's what this psalms begs us. Answer. So let's do this. Let's stand together and let's read this together again. Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Oh God, Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are the one who can comfort and help us. You guide and provide. You direct and instruct. Oh God. You are all we need. But Lord Jesus, too often 
I don't depend on you as I should. Forgive me for being that sheep that wanders from the shepherd. God, we need you today. We, we need you to give us those things that we're lacking. We need you to teach us those things that we've not yet learned. And we need you to make us new men and women. We need you to transform us. You tell us in your word that we should be transformed, not conformed. So Lord, in this moment, we ask, Holy Spirit, transform us. Do a new work. Do a fresh work in our lives through this old, ancient passage of Scripture. Lord, the greatest work you could ever do would be to save someone today. Would you change someone forever? Would you call someone to you? We can't do that. Only you can. Would you save someone? And Lord, as I read the Bible, I, I see that you speak through animals. You speak through sinful people. Oh God, would you speak through me today? Let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. You are my all. My good shepherd. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Psalms 23. As I mentioned, this is a psalm of King David. It's considered to be maybe the Mount Everest of Scripture. It's extremely comforting because right in the middle of this psalm, you find verse number four. One of the more familiar verses, this is what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Just think about that. We all know what it's like to walk through the valleys of life. Every one of you have walked through something. Some kind of challenge, some kind of pain. And all of us have walked through the unknown these last 18 months. All of us have to address those, even those, in life. If you hang out here much, you know that we all could say either we're in the valley, we've just come out of the valley, or we may not realize it, but we're walking into the valley. I've been teaching this psalm to our little girl. We're memorizing it. I would encourage you to do that over these next five weeks. See if you can commit the psalm to memory if you've not already done so. And so we're taking it phrase by phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And we've gotten to that phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I noticed that Naya was having a hard time with that. No matter how many times I would have her repeat it, she would say, even though the valley of, even though shadows and valley, she couldn't grasp it. And it, it hit me. We may need a little unpacking here. Most of you know my daughter was born blind, and so she doesn't see things quite like most of us who are sighted. In fact, just a, a little word of information here. She's learning Braille. And there's a thing called the Braille Challenge. It's kind of like a spelling bee on steroids. So these students have to learn how to see how fast they can Braille. They have to spell in Braille. They have to read in Braille. And, and, and she, she won the Braille Challenge for the state of Florida. And was in the top 
10 in the U.S. and Canada. Wow! Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So in a non-COVID year, she would have been uh, and her parents flown to California to be at the, the finals. But COVID, so the finals were in our house on Friday via the Internet. And I noticed something as the leader was starting the ceremony. He described what was behind him to those who could not see like most of us. He described the words and the pictures on the screen behind him. And then he described the trophy on the table beside him, what it looked like, what it was made of, what it felt like. And so as we were struggling through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I said to Anaya, do you, do you know what a valley is? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, yeah, I remember we've been to Colorado and we've been to North Carolina, up on the mountains, the valleys, that low part between the mountains. And God is just reminding us we all have low times in life, right? And you know what death is, Anaya, because we've, we've grieved as Papa went to heaven as he died, and you've prayed with me about so many people in our church, and some of them have gone on to heaven, and, and they've died, so you understand death. But it, it strikes me, baby, you may not understand a shadow, because you've never seen one. But when the sun shines on a person, depending on where the person is and the sun is, it casts a shadow. You can see a form of that person either, either in front of them or behind them. It's, it's the shadow, and you can look at the shadow and know the person's there. So God is saying, when you're in those low times in life, even among the worst times, times where you're facing things like death, and, and you sense it, you can see it, it's all around you because the shadow is there. God is with you in those moments. That's pretty comforting, right? Everybody can understand that. We, we understand that when bad things happen or, or when bad things are going to happen, we need hope. The Psalms gives us hope. But it gives us so much more. And that's why we're going to go through this really slow. In fact, today we're just looking at two verses. Let me point those out again. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I want us to meditate on these two verses, and I really want you to ask and answer three questions today. If you do this, I think you will have accomplished the purpose of us gathering here today. Here's the first question. Who or what is in control of your life? So let me give you some possible answers. You could say my emotions, <laughs> how I feel. Uh, 
um, that controls me. If I wake up happy, I have a good day. If I wake up sad, I have a bad day. You might say your finances. In, in fact, over 50 years of life, a lot of people are guided and controlled by this. How much I have, my possessions, what, what I can gather together. That controls whether or not things are good for me. If I've got a lot in my account, I feel good about things. If I don't, I don't. Um, for some of you, it's your family. And that can mean a whole host of things, can't it? How your marriage is going. Whether or not your children are living in obedience and, and walking with the Lord. Um, so some of you are letting your family kind of control your life. You know what I've noticed for a lot of us? It's our failures. So when we've blown it, man, we really struggle to get over it. And those difficulties, those bad moments that don't have to define us, they begin to define us and they begin to control us. So this psalm, these two verses are dealing with who or what is in control of your life. So the second question really relates to that. How's that working for you? How's your current situation working out? Any of those things I've listed, if that's what's guiding you, if that's what's motivating your decisions and how you live, how's that working for you? Is everything good? Are you content? Is everything hunky-dory? Are you fine? And if not, here's the third thing. What, what if any adjustments do you need to make? Because there is an overarching truth, kind of a primary principle, the main thing. Say the main thing. The main thing that I want you to get today. Here it is. When the Lord is truly your shepherd, you have everything you need, no matter what. And if you can walk away just embodying those two truths, man, this has been a win. If you understand that even if I'm walking through the valley of cancer, e even if I'm walking through the valley of divorce, even if I'm walking through the valley of wandering children, e even if I'm walking through the valley of financial hardship, no matter what I'm facing, if the Lord is truly my shepherd, I really already have everything I need to live in contentment, to live in satisfaction no matter what. So let's look at those verses again. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. What's the first thing that jumps off of that passage when you hear it? What are those first two words? The Lord. This is about the Lord. See, this passage is going to teach you about the Lord, and it's going to teach you about yourself. It's going to show you where that controlling force in, is in your life. It teaches us something about the Lord. It says the Lord is powerful. One of the things we notice in most of your Bibles, that word Lord is capitalized. See, Lord just means master. But when you see the Lord capitalized, or maybe in all capital letters, that means something else. That's referring to that personal name of God, Jehovah. And that is a powerful, powerful name. We're first introduced to Jehovah in in Exodus 3. You remember what happened there? Moses is at the burning bush, and he's like, 
what's going on? Who is this? Who are you? And God from that flame says what? I am. Yep. That name I am, that's what is here in Psalms 23. Often throughout scripture, it's translated Jehovah because Jehovah, really that Hebrew word, Yehovah, it comes from three different words. Those three kind of syllables in that word, one is speaking to that form of the the verb be that says, I was. And then that middle part of that word, Jehovah, is speaking to that other form of the verb be that says, I am. And then that last part of the word Jehovah is dealing with that last meaning, that last form of the verb be that says, I will forever be. This is the same name that would get Jesus into trouble. Do you remember that? They came to Jesus and said, who do you think you are? And Jesus said, I am. And they said, Oh, no, he didn't. He did not just call himself by that powerful, personal name of God, Jehovah. He did not just say, I have always been. I am, I was, I forever. That's not what Jesus is claiming to be God. That's heresy. And that's why he was killed. He knows everything about you. Not only does he know your name, he knows the hairs on your head. He, he knows the plans that he has for you. And he's always known that. Because he knew you in your mother's womb, he says. He knows your birth date and he knows your expiration date. He knows everything about you. He is your shepherd. But he's your shepherd. The shepherd. We don't understand that a lot. But it's hard to think about biblical times, and even today, it's hard to think about the Middle East without thinking about sheep and shepherds. This became most clear to me in 2008. I had one of the honors of my lifetime. I was a group of a few pastors that was gathering in Jordan to train pastors from the seven surrounding countries. That had never been done because many of those countries are at war with one another and have been for thousands of years. And yet we gathered them together. I was assigned a topic. You know the topic? The pastor, the shepherd, and his sheep. I was excited about that until I got out of the airport in Amman, Jordan and started driving to our training center. And along the side of the road, everywhere I looked, I saw real-life shepherds and real-life sheep. And I began to realize, these people are going to know way more about this than I do. Because sheep and shepherds are a part of life there. It's not as much a part of our life, so maybe we don't understand that as much. Maybe we don't get what God's trying to say to us here. Even this last time I visited the Holy Land, on our last day we always go to the shepherd's field in Bethlehem. And I could stand outside the shepherd's field and hold a sheep. <laughs> that was pretty fun. I could take a cool picture, but that didn't make me a good shepherd. Just holding a sheep. A shepherd's essential to the life, the well-being of the sheep. A shepherd guides and protects and feeds. And when the shepherd doesn't do their job, the sheep suffer. 
like this story. Associated Press published this in 2015. It says 450 Turkish sheep leaped to their deaths. Eastern Turkey, some shepherds and sheep were in the field. The shepherds got hungry, so they left all the sheep. 1,500 sheep, and they went to breakfast. One of the sheep gets a bright idea. Has anybody ever told you that sheep are smart? No, they're dumb. One gets a bright idea. He walks over to a cliff and goes, Hey, Vern, what do you think happens if we jump off of this? So he jumped. Do you know what happened next? One by one by one, 1,500 sheep jumped. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.